Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Psalm chapter 15 and the other in 1 John chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible with you, don't sweat it. The verses are going to be on the screen. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in part four of a series that we're calling Force of Habit. And as the title suggests, your habits are a force in your life. Your habits shape your heart. Your habits show your heart. And we all know uh, that good habits are hard to establish, but super easy to break. And we also know that bad ones have the opposite power. Those are hard to break, but super easy to establish. And what we're saying in this series, and what we're seeing very clearly in God's Word, is that the right habits are life-giving. The right habits build the right life. The right habits establish a man's integrity through consistency. The right habits prep us for an eternity with God. And here's the biggie. The right habits create closeness with God and with people. And that's where we're going to start today's study in God's Word. What we want to do is we want to get God's mind on the consistent choices that you and I make on a daily basis and how that is connected to our level of closeness with God. And then after we get God's mind on our habits, we're going to look at the third habit that God wants us to develop. So let's just kind of generally get God's mind on our habits. We're going to start in Psalm 15, and we're going to read that together. It says this, God, who gets invited to dinner at your place? How do we get on your guest list? Walk straight. Act right. Tell the truth. Don't hurt your friend. Don't blame your neighbor. Despise the despicable. Keep your word even when it costs you. Make an honest living. Never take a bribe. You'll never get blacklisted if you live like this. It's interesting in the Bible. It asks the question, God, who do you have a good connection with? God, who are you at home with? Who's on your, your, your guest list? Who, has, who hangs with you? Who is at home with you? And the Bible very clearly says it's men with habits that form a spiritually committed lifestyle. And you see consistency. And you see integrity. And you see frequency of spiritual commitment. God's comfortable with that person. In 1 John, the second passage I told you to hold a spot for, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, talks about how when you are sharing life with God, you're sharing a specific space where you live out your habits and lifestyle. It says this, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. Now it's going to talk about the space. God is light, pure light. There's no trace of darkness in him. If we claim we experience a shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim. But if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another as the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's Son, purges all our sins. Did you hear it? Did you hear the space that if you claim to share life with God, 
that your lifestyle and your habits also share that that space, and it's light. Jesus said, you are light. And as people of light, we walk and we live in the light. Now, the light is synonymous with God's character. God is holy. God is truth. And we, as people of the light, we walk toward and desire God's holiness and God's truth. And our habits are built around walking in the light. Now let's look at our our third passage and get God's mind, and then we're going to summarize these three passages. It is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. It says this, How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with the dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands. You see, what the Bible very clearly says, and and this is God's mind, is that your habits reflect right and wrong, godly or ungodly, dark and light, good or evil, trust or mistrust. And those questions in this passage, right, they go to the issue of choices and habits being signs of spiritual integrity and consistency, or choices and habits reflecting inconsistency and a lack of spiritual integrity. So let's kind of summarize generally what God loves to see. Write this down. God loves to see my disciplined awareness of him, right? That's what we learned from Psalm 15. There's a man who God's very comfortable with. And God's very comfortable with who's with the man who is very aware of him, and that awareness drives his actions and his habits. Number two, God loves to see my disciplined attitude toward him, that you and I have a desire to walk in the light, and that walking in the light and living in the light, that space that that we share, that validates or invalidates our claim of fellowship with God. And when you walk in the light and you live in the light, you make choices for the light, for God's holiness, for God's character, for God's truth. And then third, what we see is that God loves to see my disciplined actions for him. So I'm disciplined in my awareness of him. I'm disciplined in my attitude toward him. I want to walk in the light. And that leads to actions for him. And we saw that in the compare contrast of, wow, I'm I'm moving toward the right versus the wrong. I'm moving toward godly versus ungodly. I'm moving toward light versus darkness. I'm moving toward good, not evil. I'm trusting, not mistrusting God. Those are solid actions that reflect my awareness and my attitude toward God. So that's that's God's mind. We're going to do that next week as well. Just want you you to see his heart toward your habits. Now, let's get in to the third habit that God wants us to develop. And if you missed uh, the last two sessions where we talked about habits that God wants to develop, what you missed was the first habit that God wants us to develop, right, is just the habit of putting God first, all right? That was the first habit we talked about. The second habit we talked about is the habit of listening and responding 
to God's voice. Jason Park did an amazing job with that last week. This week, what we're going to talk about is the habit of God dependency versus what? Versus self-sufficiency. Let me ask you a question before we dive in. Have you ever said to anybody in any situation, hey, I got this, right? When you use those words, those are those are confident words, right? Those are command words. It's sort of like, hey, whatever challenge or situation, hey, I'll take care of it myself. I got this. Let me do it, right? And that's certainly okay in a lot of situations, but it's not okay to have the, hey, I got this attitude when it comes to living your life. And the reason why is, is that you're a created being, which means there's a creator who has a vision for your life. There's a creator who has intention for your life. There's a creator who has purpose for your life. And so the message to the creator of, hey, in this life, I got this, right? That sends a message uh, to the creator that you're God. It's called idolatry. And that's a big deal, right? And so that's why we're talking about developing this habit that God wants, which is healthy and humble dependency versus pride and self-sufficiency. So let's look at what God dependency requires on a daily basis. And the first thing that God dependency requires on a daily basis is humility. Write that down, right? Kind of makes sense. But in the Bible, it just affirms that humility and God dependency comes from the person who simply recognizes who is who. Look at 1 Peter 5, 6 on your notes. says this, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So you see in, in 1 Peter 5, 6, it's just humility comes from recognizing who's who, and who's mighty, and who has the power. And it's positional. God is mighty, and God has power, and we are not mighty, and we lack power. You see, before mighty power, a man should become mighty humble, right? And that, that mighty humility births healthy dependency. I mean, that's, that's the way it should work. And so when we don't humble ourselves before what is mighty in reality, it confuses God and tells us that we are mighty, all right? The second verse under this point of God dependency requires daily humility is from Isaiah 29, 16. Paints a very specific picture. Listen for that picture. It says this, How foolish can you be? He is the potter, and he is certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created thing say of the one who made it, he didn't make me? Does a jar ever say, the potter who made me is stupid? You see how humility shapes God dependency in your attitude toward God? In fact, my dependency on God reflects my view of God. And that's why the Bible all the time reminds us of who is who, vine and branch potter and clay, shepherd and sheep, right? 
There's a person who is mighty and who is above and who is in the A position. And then there's the person in the B dependent position. One is always dependent on another, right? And there's an attitude that has to go with that picture of dependence. God labels himself, God labels us, and he just wants us to be reminded of who's who, because then if we're, if we're thinking right about God, we'll depend on God, but it requires that attitude of humility. You know, the man of God, Jeremiah, he really recognized this, and I put the verse on your notes. It's from Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. Jeremiah, the man of God, says this. He says, I know, God, that mere mortals can't run their whole lives, that men and women don't have what it takes to take charge of life. So correct us, God, as you see best. Don't lose your temper. That would be the end of us. So here's a guy with the right perspective. He is reminding himself who's who. He's reminding himself that he's not intended to say, I got this, and take charge of his life. Why? Because he's a created being, and he recognizes that God is mighty, and he's asking him to be gentle as he reminds himself of who is who. So if you want to develop the habit of God dependency versus self-sufficiency, right, it requires daily humility, and humility is birthed from recognizing who is who. The second way we develop God dependency is that requires daily trust. So we got daily humility, who's who, right? And then daily trust. In fact, the Bible says that trust and dependence upon God is an imperative for relationship with God. You're not having a relationship with God unless you're trusting God. It talks about that in one of my favorite verses, Psalm or, or Proverbs chapter 3, and this is you probably have this highlighted in your Bible if you don't, you should. You should write it on a note card because this is this is just a world-class verse on how relationship with God uh, works. Proverbs 3 uh, verses 5 through 8 says this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. So do you see the picture? Trusting looks like turning, right? We turn from trusting ourselves and acting self-sufficiently that we're self-contained and we have the wisdom we need and we have the power and we have the resources. We turn from trusting self over to trusting God. How much energy do we put, from that, put into that? The Bible says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. That means at the core, at, at the center. But there has to be this, again, this attitude of, you know what? You can't assume. You can't assume that you know anything. In fact, God knows everything. 
and you know very little. Think about of all the knowledge in all the world. How much do you know? So of all the knowledge, all the possible information on the billions of pages on the World Wide Web, how, what percentage of that do you know? Okay, maybe 5%? Probably less than that. Guess what? God knows all of it, and he knows more than that. And, and that's how we have to look at this thing, where if we align, right? We align with, humbly align with Creator, then we don't have to know it all, which is great. What a relief. You know where we get in trouble? is when we think we do. You know, I got this, right? I know better, right? The Bible says you develop God dependency when you trust daily, right? Now, the Bible teaches that we're trusting in specific things. So I want us to drill down on this particular uh, theme of God dependency requires daily trust because you got to know what you're trusting in. All right. And let's look at some verses and then see what we're actually trusting in. The first verse is Psalm 34, 8, and it says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So here we see the first thing that we're actually trusting in, and I trust daily in his character. Write that down. I trust in his character, that he's good. You know, you, you trust good people who have good character and they have good uh, intentions. That's true in life. And man, oh man, that is certainly true in your relationship with God. You know, when fear infects your trust in God, essentially you're forgetting that who God is. And God is good, you know? A lot of churches say, you know, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. That's a great reminder. That's a good habit to form. That's a good um, thing and dialogue to, to have between brothers in Christ, you know? God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. So what am I trusting in daily? I'm trusting in his goodness. I'm trusting in his character. Let's look at the next Bible verse, see what else we're trusting. Romans chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says this. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do, raise the dead to life. With a word, make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw, he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. So God dependency requires daily trust. We're trusting in his character. Secondly, I'm trusting in his capacity. Write that down. Did you see how, how Abraham viewed God? He got him right. Not only is God good, God's able. He has a ton of capacity, way more capacity than you and I do. And yet, when we look at God the way we look at men, we question his capacity. I have a solution for you when, you when you question God's capacity, all right? At night tonight, if there's a clear sky, just go out and look up. He spoke, and that came into being, just like Abraham believed when all things were hopeless. God called into being things which did not previously exist. You know, there are solutions in your life that don't exist right now that God can call into being. And when he speaks it, he expects it to happen. 
And that's the God who we trust on a daily basis. Now that's confidence, all right? It's not the power in me, in my own self-sufficiency. It's the power that's with me and the power that's behind me and the intention and the goodness of his character and I'm trusting his capacity. Let's look at the next thing, all right? This is from Philippians chapter four. It says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you're taking notes, circle that, because he cares for you. You know, it's one thing to know that someone is good. It's one thing to know that he's able. It's another thing altogether to know that he loves you. God loves you. You hear that probably all the time. Sometimes we don't let that sink in, but what are you trusting in? Do you trust people who don't love you? I don't trust people who don't love me, but I do trust people who do love me. I also trust people who have good character and I know are good, and I trust people who have capacity to help me. You see, that is what you're trusting in. If you want to develop God dependency, that is going to require daily humility, and it's going to require daily trust. Let's go to the third thing uh, on forming this habit of God dependency. It's also going to require a daily consumption of truth. Right? A daily consumption of truth. And I chose that word specifically because you have to take it in. You have to consume it. Um, maybe you have some habits in the morning, not related to your relationship with God, just maybe you have a food habit. I have a food habit, all right? Every morning when I wake up, I have this tall tumbler, and I load it up with water, and then I put this powder in it. It's called Morning Master, all right? There's nothing spiritual about that, by the way. It's just a powder with uh, a lot of vitamins in it, and then I, I, I mix it up, and I drink the whole thing. Why? Because I want to develop physical health, right? So I consume, right, the morning master, first thing when I get up, right? Put the good stuff in, right? Same is true in your life with God. What do you do on a daily basis to consume truth so that you're spiritually healthy? You see, you can't be spiritually healthy without the consumption of truth. Why? Because all truth is God's truth. Right? Jesus said, I am the truth. All right? So we have to consume truth and put it in our heart and our mind and our soul, and we live out of truth. And isn't that the battle? What you're putting in here, what your will decides you're going to put in, and then when you put into your mind, that starts driving your thoughts, and your thoughts start driving your actions. Right? Kind of critical that you decide to put the right stuff in your heart and your mind and your soul. And the Bible makes the connection between my God dependency and my consumption of truth. Let's, let's read Psalm 25, verse 5, says this, Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. So if you start at the back of that verse, here's a guy who's depending on God. How is he depending on God? He is seeking out and asking God to lead him in truth and to teach him truth. Lead me in your truth and teach me, right? Because all day long, my hope is in you. See the connection between depending on God and consuming truth? The more I consume his truth, the more I know how I can depend on God. And the more God delivers and saves me from myself, the world, the flesh, and the devil, all right? 
Let's look at the second verse in this theme of God dependency requiring a daily consumption of truth. And that's Jesus himself in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. He says this, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, now listen up, right? If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, a lot of times you just take verse 32 out of context, but that's not the way it's supposed to be read. There's two connected sentences and it's verses 31 and 32 because it's conditional. Verse 31 is the, the condition and then verse 32 is the outcome. You cannot separate the two. And Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, why does he have to say that? You don't say hold to my teaching unless there is a battle and a temptation to let go of his teaching, right? Jesus is saying, you know what? You're going to have to grip my truths. You're going to have to re-grip it every day. And when you, when you think about holding on to truth, holding on to his teaching, all right, what does, it, what does it look like practically? It means depending on it. It means relying on his truth. And that, that shows that you're a disciple. The one who lets go of God's truth in situations or lets go of his teaching in certain environments so that he's more comfortable or it's more convenient or it's more acceptable, that's not a disciple. A disciple holds on, clings, depends on, relies on, and then guess what? That disciple experiences the one who holds on versus the one who lets go situationally, something that the one who lets go never experiences, and that is inner spiritual and emotional freedom. Wow, you'll know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. Yes, it will, but you got to hold on to it. Can I ask you a question? Are you holding on to God's truth on a daily basis? Are you consuming his truth? And then when you carry it into your day, having consumed it and digested it, are you holding on to it? There are some of you that I'm talking to right now, you've let go. And because you've let go of the truth of Jesus, you're stuck. You're in bondage, and God is telling you right now, and I know there's hundreds of men that are watching this right now that need to hear this. You say, I want you free. But you know what? You gotta stop believing lies, and you need to get a grip on my truth, and you need to consume my truth. And it's, it's never a bad time to start a right habit. And God wants you to start the habit of consuming truth. And so I don't know where you are. I don't know where you're listening to this. But you know what? It's daily. It's not when you go to church. It's not when you just show up at your men's group. It's private. And you consume the words, the very words of God for you. And you make a space to do it. And you have time with him. And you take it in as truth. Because guess what? If you're not consuming truth and you're just running into your day, you know what you're consuming? Lies. You're consuming the media. You're consuming social media. You're consuming the world. And that's Satan's domain. And Satan is the liar and author of lies. And, you know, I want to I wanna bring that to your attention because this is the battle. The mental consumption of either truth or lies. God is behind the consumption of truth. You know what Satan's for in your life? Don't consume God's truths. In fact, I'll just dress up a bunch of lies for you to consume because I have a goal. Listen to Jesus talk about this. He's telling a group of guys 
who are in the lie. He says this, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Listen to this, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when we talk about God dependency and developing that habit, that requires a daily consumption of truth. And if you're not consuming truth, you're consuming something else. Your own, you're in your own juice or you're in the juice of the world or the flesh or this person that Jesus talks about, the devil. And guess what? When he lies into you and you consume his lies, when you believe things that you know are inconsistent, with love for God and people. When you believe things where you know there's the word and then there's, there's some other um, feeling, right, that replaces God's word. When, when your faith and the word of God is replaced by your fear and feelings, look out and just go, what's up, Satan? He's lying into you. And that leads to death. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Wow. You know how we glean a model? By looking at the opposite model, all right? Satan gets kicked out of God's ecosystem because he wouldn't hold the truth and there was no truth in him. He was a liar. Now, if that was the, the, the bad model, what's the good model, all right? Jesus said in John 8, hold on to the truth, <laughs> right? And put the truth in you, all right? So right now, there's a spiritual battle going on. And the battle is between truth and lies and what you will consume. And God is calling us up because the world needs men of truth, right? Now, when we, we look at the last um, way to develop God dependency, this one is going to radically change your life. And it fall, follows the humility and the trust daily and the consumption of truth daily because if you, are, if you know who's who, and if you're trusting God, right, on a daily basis, you're depending on God, you're relying on God, if you're consuming his truth, there is a confidence that is building in your life where now you're going to do the thing that seals your God dependency. And that is, that requires daily risks. Write that down. I'm going to say something that's, uh, I don't know if it's going to ruffle any feathers, but it may clarify your perspective on your life in God, and it's this. There is no such thing as the safe Christian life. In other words, the predictable Christian life, all right? The convenient Christian life, the comfortable Christian life. I don't find those words or that invitation anywhere in the Gospels. In fact, we read in Mark 8, 34 and 35, the right characterization of what Christianity and having a relationship with God is and how we develop dependency on him. The Bible says this in Mark 8, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You know what I love about Jesus is that Jesus didn't make himself like an accessory 
to our lives. Like, you know, we're doing this and we have this and we work out and we drink coffee or we have craft whiskey or we do this. And then Jesus is just a slice of the pie that makes up our life. No. Jesus said, guess what? There's a tension here and you're going to have to totally commit. I mean, isn't that what you want in your relationships, a total commitment? Can you imagine when you got married, for, your, for those of you who are married, uh, where, you know, the pastor or minister or the priest, he just says, hey, so Kenny, uh, do you take Chrissy to be your lawful wife, having a hold till death do you part? Eh, some of the time. <laughs> that really would have gone over well, right? But you know what? That's exactly what we do with Jesus. Wow. We don't have full commitment. You know, but guess what? The Bible says, he's like, you, you're my disciple? You're going to be in a process of denying commitment to yourself and, and being committed to me, and you're going to sacrifice to do it, and there's a tension. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever, but whoever loses their life for my sake, the same shall find it. You know, Jesus would, would, would invite men. Uh, he would teach on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. There'd be a bunch of boats in the water. He'd stand on the boats because of the crowd, and then he would say things like, let's go to the other side. And some men would stay on the shore, and some men would suffer the tension, but the invitation was strong enough, and the person saying it was credible enough where they risked leaving the safety of the shore and got in the boat, and they went on an adventure with Jesus. I know that I am talking to certain men. You are stuck on the safety of the shore, and Jesus is going, Let's go to the other side. And I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen on this journey. All you need to know is that I'm inviting you to get in the boat. And guess what? I don't know how long it was before the guys who got in the boat came back to reconnect with the guys who stayed on the shore. But I'll tell you one thing. Those guys who stayed on the shore regretted that they didn't get in the boat. And you know what my job is? My job is, in your life, man of God, is to challenge you to get into the boat without knowing. You see, that's what faith is. Faith is commitment without knowing. And we do this all the time. We do it when we get in our cars. We don't know what we're going to get to where we're going, right? But we still get in the car and we still start it up and we still think we're going to get there in faith. We go to the doctor. We trust that he went to school and, you know, he, he did his, his residency and, and then he writes us a prescription and we go like, great. And then we just in faith. All right. We don't know ahead of time. He says, here, take this. Then we go to the pharmacy, right? We get on planes. We don't know that plane is going to land, but we do it in faith but we don't do it with God. And what I'm telling you is if you want to develop this habit that God wants you to develop of God dependence, you're going to have to take some risk and you're going to have to suffer the tension that comes with commitment to God without knowing that's called faith, but he's good, he's able, and he loves you. So we get in the boat, right? Look at what it says in Hebrews 10, 38 and 39 about the kind of person, the kind of man, right, that God calls his own. It says this, my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. You know what God's describing right there? He's like, hey, my guys, they risk trusting me. They take risks. They hear what I say. They humbly accept what I say. They consume my truth, and then they put the truth that they know on the line, right? They don't shrink back, right? And the more that they do it, they don't shrink back 
anymore. They don't retreat. They advance. And man, that is the adventure that God is calling us to live. And man, that is what the world is waiting to see from the 700 million men who named the name of Jesus on planet Earth. Now, on this theme of God dependency requires daily risk. That's how you measure dependency. Am I risking trusting that person who is God and who I believe these things about? Humbly, trusting daily, consuming what he says, asking him to lead me in truth. I'm going to risk based on that. Look at what it says in Hebrews 11:6 in the message translation. It says this, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Question, all right? This is your spiritual inventory for this morning, all right? Are you God-dependent based on what we've just discussed? Or, and there's no, <laughs> there's no shame in this, are you self-sufficient today? I know that I've had so many days when I just ran into my life on my own power. And I've strung days together where I've done that, driven by anxiety and fear and the need to control things. And I've bloodied my nose more than a few times. So if that's you, you're, you're in good company. But the Holy Spirit right now is asking, are you God dependent right now? in all aspects of your life, or are you self-sufficient? And I put on the notes a scale, right? And on the right side of the scale, that's the low numbers, that's the one, and underneath like that side of things is I'm dependent on myself. Over here, on the other side of the scale, I'm depending on God. Can you do before God, and maybe your men's group, just an honest assessment, because we're gonna talk about it after this study. Now, I want to close today's study with a picture, and it's a picture of dependence, and it's Jesus, and it comes from um, John chapter 15. Jesus says this, I am the vine, and you are the branches. When joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure. To be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up, thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. You see, the vine and the branch is a picture of dependence. One is completely 100% dependent on the other. And that's the message that God wants to speak into your chest right now. He's saying, you know what? When you're joined with me, when you're connected with me, all right, and there's humility, there's trust on a daily basis, there's, there's a, a listening and a leading in truth, and because of those things, you're risking 
living your life out based on those truths, right? There's intimacy. Uh, and there's a word here that's used in this version, uh, organic, right? In other words, the supernatural becomes super natural. Why? Because you're a branch that chooses to stay connected to the vine. But then he does the opposite. And this is where a lot of guys watching me right now are at today. Separated, you can't produce a thing. In the New American Standard, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. All right? You know what nothing means in the original language? Nothing. All right? You can do nothing. And that's a choice. And so right now, in this moment, you're either joined with Christ, you're connected, you're abiding, or you're not, which means you're separated. And when you're separated, there's a couple consequences. Branches that are cut off from the vine, those get put in the bonfire, right? Those can't bear fruit. Jesus is very clearly saying to all of us, all right, and I want you to write this down. This is our concluding point, is that your goal in life is to recognize who is who and write this down. Be the branch that depends on the vine. You see, supernatural life and living, that all goes back to the habit of God dependency, fruitfulness, significance, um, influence, impact. You just got to be connected. And you got to be intimately connected, not casually connected. You got to be all in. You have to act and live with your choices and your habits on a daily basis. Like, my life depends on this. The life of the branch depends on its connection to the vine. So here's the question. Are you depending on the vine right now, right? And if you're not, no shame. You need to repent, right? All that means is you got to change your mind. You got to recognize, man, I've been depending on myself. I haven't been connected to God. I need to connect to God. I haven't been humble. I haven't recognized who's who. I haven't been trusting God with everything at the bottom of my heart. I haven't been consuming his truth, and I haven't been taking any risks. Those are the signs that you're not depending on God. And then you just need to recommit and just say, hey, we can just pray this right now. Jesus, you're the vine. I'm the branch. And I need your life to flow from you to me. And so I make a decision in faith right now. I'm grafting myself to you. I am joining you. I am choosing to remain in you. I don't want to leave. And so, Lord Jesus, fill me with your life now that I'm connected. Make it a daily thing. God, every day, help me be the branch. Help me wake up and depend on you humbly. Recognize you're the vine and I'm the branch, Lord. Help me to trust you on a daily basis from the bottom of my heart. Help me to be led by you in truth versus lies. And then, God, this is what I want. I want the adventure. I want the risk. I want to get in the boat. I want to see you do your thing in and through me in miraculous ways that it might be a blessing to your heart and to the people connected to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, 
I hope you enjoyed today's study. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, make it a weekly thing. Invite some some buddies. In the weeks to come, we got some exciting announcements about some technologies that we're going to be introducing that will allow your men's group, wherever you live, uh, to get together. But make sure you come back and invite a friend to The Force of Habit, Part 5, next week. We'll see you then.